Hey there, listeners. Welcome to Women of the Northwest, ordinary women leading extraordinary lives. You know those women who everyone seems to know, the ones that balance a dozen things at once, and you can depend on them to not drop the ball. Gals that are not afraid to have an idea and take the next step. Yeah, that's the kind of gals I'm talking about. These are the women I have conversations with each week, telling their stories and sharing their passions, motivating, inspiring, compelling. Join us each week for a new episode found on Apple, Spotify, Google Play, iTunes, iHeart, and more. Hello, listeners. Welcome to Women of the Northwest. This is episode 31. I have with me today Lily Lee, who I've known for a number of years because she's a physical therapist that helped me through with a bunch of ailments and as well as my son, Jed, and some other people <laughs> who um, like being around her because she's just so much fun and a great smile. Hi, Lily. Hello. <laughs> so, we had a sunshiny day. You were out in your garden planting things. I saw tomatoes. And what else do you have out there? I have some peonies and some... A new dogwood tree that I got from the Clatsop Soil and Water District. Oh. Oh. (laughs) Um, Were they having a plant sale? They were. They were having a Native Oregon plant sale. Oh, how did I miss that? I don't know. That was unfortunate. (laughs) Well, you probably have all the plants already. (laughs) I probably have nowhere else to plant anything because I have so many. (laughs) Well, they had ferns and uh, Oregon irises. The, the, oh, yeah. yeah. I love those, too. Yeah. Yeah, I have little purple irises, the Japanese iris coming up. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're really pretty. Well, if mine make it and propagate, I'll give you some. And then the slugs oh, I are know. eating all of my impatience. Oh, yeah. the slugs are really at it this year. And the dahlias. I uncovered my dahlias and weeded out all of the many weeds in my planter boxes and dahlias are coming up but they're all nibbled away (laughs) i know i've been doing this little routine at night because my my friends uh told me that i could look at my plants at night and pick off the slugs as they are eating my plant and i went out there and by golly that's what they were doing Right on the blossoms. On my lupin, they were right on it because one of them had just fallen off and I was just waiting for this bud to bloom and then I see like there's some nibbles and it's just <laughs> going to fall over then that night. I saw it. I caught him. <laughs> and no more. Did you just <laughs> toss him out into the woods or did you actually destroy well, him? I think I've been doing it a barbaric way. <laughs> It reminds me of medieval times. <laughs> I, I either stab them with a twig or I um, put them in a bucket and pour salt on them. And, and then, I've had and then this, you go, die, die. Doesn't that remind you of medieval times? Yeah. yeah. Pouring hot oil on people trying to enter the castle and uh, just stabbing them with the long spear. The, the lengths we go to protect our plants. <laughs> well, it, it'd be terrible if we later find out that slugs are sentient beings. Yeah, yeah, well, anyway. 
Where'd you grow up? I grew up in Seattle, Washington. Wait, and just is that where you were born, or you just? No, that's where I was born. Uh, my parents built a brick house, and um, I just remember being in the crib in the basement as they were making this house. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, yeah, and it was in a very um, multicultural neighborhood. So that was pretty interesting. Hmm. Hmm. What other cultures were in there? Uh, well, uh, we had Filipino neighbors, and we were uh, good friends. They had kids that were uh, same age as myself and my brother, and younger. And then um, another family down the street had adopted a little girl from Korea. No. Yeah, and there were uh, there was an African American family on the end of the street. Um, you said all brands. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and that's true. And we had uh, some elderly elderly neighbors too. Mm. Um, yeah, yeah, oh. and so. Um, but well, are you- I meant well. There were I didn't mention there were also white neighbors, but they didn't have kids really. So, so I'm, just measuring, I'm just measuring the kid part. And my uh, friend who's from Korea was adopted by a Caucasian family. Uh-huh. Yeah. And then she had uh, nephews that were over there, too, that were uh, young, a little younger than us. But were we your kids. parents first generation to the States, or were they, were they born here, too? No, uh, my father was not born here. He wasn't from China, mm-hmm. but his grandparents were in the United States. And my great, well, they would be my great-grandparents, but my great-great-grandfather was an interpreter uh, in San Francisco uh, before my great-grandparents. I kind of lost the history between those those two generations, uh-huh. but um, and then there was the generation that was skipped from my grandfather because he died in his forties in China. Oh, okay, mm-hmm. yeah. So, did you did your parents speak Chinese in your home when you were growing up, or did you are are you dualing? Am I bilingual? Are you bilingual? <laughs> No, well, I would say I'm not very proficient at uh, Chinese. There's different dialects. Right. And my family has a a rural dialect, but it's a big province. Um, Well, it's in the Guangdong province, and they speak Taishan, Hmm. Taishan language. Okay. Or Toisanese. And... My mother came from there as well. My father went back to China to find a bride, and I think that was like the the way t- things went back mm-hmm. then. And interesting. So you have that the the culture of your family, and then the culture of your neighbors that you grew up with. So that was kind of fun. Or true, true. We have. You know, parents who speak a different language, we didn't become proficient in them. Mm-hmm. I don't, I don't know that my um, 
Filipino friends actually spoke Filipino language either. Oh, yeah. They they yeah. hadn't they probably knew their Tagalog like I knew the Chinese language. So, like probably could understand it if I heard it, but yeah, I was not really good at speaking. Yeah, it. yeah, because you didn't need to, and you, yeah, yeah, you need practice. Yeah, and, uh, I think my mother didn't want us to have a accent when we spoke English, so oh. that was one of the reasons why we didn't uh, learn or speak Chinese in the house very uh-huh. much, but. As we got a little older, she did want us to learn Chinese, and we had this um, a Chinese teacher come to our house. But um, I don't think we were good students, my brother and I. <laughs> <laughs> and I do not think he wanted to teach us after a while. <laughs> um, oh, my. Uh, but there were uh, other families who took their kids to. Uh, the international district, there was Chinese language school on Saturdays mm-hmm. there. And I don't know why. Um, I didn't really know about that till much later. I didn't, no. wasn't involved with that. But I knew they, later that they had that. And that would have been kind of fun, actually, because I grew up uh, really not knowing very many Chinese people mm-hmm. until I was... In middle school. Oh, really? Yeah, I just really didn't didn't know any. Huh. <laughs> yeah, because you just weren't around. Yeah. No. Anybody? So, huh? Interesting. They weren't in my neighborhood, and usually just you know end up playing with people that are in your neighborhood. And your parents didn't hang out with other Chinese people. Hmm. No, not. Well, my parents were. Uh, divorce, so maybe we didn't do as many things right. as other Chinese be. families yeah. did. But uh, I ended up in doing a lot of Chinese community things when I was in middle school because I had this. Well, she was the principal of the of the middle school, and okay. she was Chinese. Her name okay. was Cheryl Chow, and she. Uh, was recruiting Chinese girls from the schools because uh, who's the upcoming uh, <laughs> Chinese students who could become part of her Chinese drill team. Oh. Like there was a Chinese drill team in the community. It was called uh, Seattle Community Chinese Drill Team. Huh. And huh. that's where I first met a lot of Chinese people. And I just thought, wow. There's more Chinese people than I've ever seen. <laughs> and so I did, I felt like I was a little bit different because a lot of them already knew each other and uh-huh. probably lived in neighborhoods where there were a lot of Chinese people. So I felt like, wow. But, um, interesting. Yeah, it was really yeah. interesting. It was kind of <laughs> funny because most of it is marching uh-huh. and they have precision drills. And if you ever see like marching band and they yeah. do these turns and yeah, they, yeah. they have a... Yeah, I was in marching band. Yeah, so yeah. they have a captain and that's usually yeah. the senior person on the drill team and they yell out the commands and everybody yeah. turns their head at the same yeah. time and, and stomps their left foot and <laughs> as they turn... But it took a lot of coordination, and uh, they won a lot of war- awards in yeah. the parades. Huh. My friend Susie and I 
<laughs> but we ended up liking being in the music part. So she played the the big drum, and I played the. I ended up playing the snare drum. Mm. But I, I think I first started out with the cymbals, and we probably before that we were flag bearers. So mm. the flag bearers don't have to do as many maneuvers. You just okay. fall behind and hold the flag, <laughs> and you just stay in line with the person next to you. <laughs> Tell me about um, later after you graduated from high school. Is it at what time in your life did you join the Peace Corps? Oh, so uh, th- this is also a very interesting time because I went to school uh, during the time when they were busing. So they bused uh, students from the north end of Seattle into the south end mm-hmm. and then, or junior high school. And then when you go to high school, you are the people that were in the South End were bused to the North End. Yeah. And so then the people that had to travel on these long bus rides to go to school when they were younger got to stay in their neighborhoods when they were older to go to oh, school in their oh, neighborhoods. Yeah. I decided that I did not want to do that. I did not want to take a long bus ride when there was a high school five blocks away from my house (laughs) that uh yeah was a good school and I felt like sense yeah and maybe that is the first time actually that I made up my own mind about something like in my in my life Uh that I thought no I I just don't want to do that. And then I made a way so that I did not have to do that by applying to a uh, humanities program that this high school near oh. my house had. And okay. uh, they only had so many spots. Actually, that was a really great time um, learning uh, different things, different cultural things. Mm that I probably would not have even noticed or known about. Okay. That it didn't seem like it was a normal school curriculum. Uh-huh. Yeah. Because uh, we learned about law and society and different um, different cultural things like architecture and music from different instruments. And I did not grow up like learning to play an instrument. Uh-huh. I did not know what these instruments sounded like. The tests were actually kind of hard because... I was not used to... You didn't have the experiences. No, I did not have the experience to know when they played this music, this was the oboe, or Uh play this music, and this is the clarinet. Yeah. And that's how we were tested, and I just thought, wow, this is a really interesting class. Yeah. Because he would play the music, and then we would recognize the sound that this is right from uh-huh. this instrument but it's not like you hear it all the time right <laughs> <laughs> but um so it was a really good program and i uh, i think that that really brought in my scope of what i knew of the world so how did you get into the peace corps where did you go oh, so that also had to do with my high school yeah um, because I went into my physics class and I just remember the moment that I saw this piece of paper on the table. There was a flyer that said, uh, here's the best job you'll ever 
know, it's the toughest job you'll ever love. Huh. And I read it and I thought, oh, I'm, I'm going to do that uh, after college. I'm going to do that. It just sounds so exciting. College, I graduated in electrical engineering. And, really? Yeah. And, A little known fact. <laughs> but I would not say that I was delighted to be an engineer. <laughs> and but, that's not what you ended up pursuing. That's right. That's not what I ended up pursuing. So you ended up in Botswana. Right. So And you have some lifelong friends. Right. So it seems like every stage of life, uh, you meet people that you can really connect with. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's what's fun about life. And I decided after I got my degree in engineering, I was going to pursue that dream that I had of going for the toughest job I'd ever loved. I needed to find out more about what I wanted. Like, what did I really want to do in life? Mm-hmm. Put in, you, you put in which countries that you think you might want to go to or you mm-hmm. would accept going to. And I want to improve my chances. So I picked the continent of Africa because I thought, well, that is a place I probably would never go to on my own just to to go there. Uh-huh. Um, uh, and then you put down the things that you could do. I put down, of course, my major, and then I got a spot. I just couldn't believe it. I, <laughs> I mean, actually, they said, oh, you're going to Botswana. Do you want to go? And you would be teaching uh, in their technical wing because you have an engineering degree. <laughs> you could you would be teaching electronics and technical drawing. And I thought, really? Wow, <laughs> that is more than I thought I could do there. Okay. And I just was so happy. I said, yes. And then I decided to ask, and where is Botswana? <laughs> <laughs> Because you didn't have Google in front of you. Right. I had not heard of Botswana before. (laughs) One of the goals of Peace Corps is also to share the culture of Mm -hmm. being an American. Yeah. Being an American and learning about their culture as they learn about you and the culture. Uh, The local teachers are speaking in English and they have also a Sitswana class Hmm. where they learn their uh, national language. I see. Okay. I mean, not that they don't know it, but no, I think but, yeah, it, it right. is, it's probably like the same as we take English here. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, and so then you came back and changed majors, became a physical therapist. Right. I was going to go into bioengineering myself. <laughs> and when I came back, uh, back to Seattle, I decided that I should really explore whether I really wanted to go through more engineering or not. I had realized that I really like working with people. I could help people with engineering overcome their physical disabilities. Oh. And I thought, well, I had not even heard of physical therapy at that point. And I thought, oh, okay, I'll look into it. So then fast forward, you became a physical therapy and you helped lots and lots of people. And 
you have to be really fit to be a physical therapist. Mm-hmm. And I was thinking, I am really fit. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's like, I've just been to two years in Botswana. Yeah, right. You know, I've hiked <laughs> all over, yeah. climbed mountains, and, yeah. Yeah. and, and yeah. run and jog and all that. And I just thought, why would she say something like that? That was kind of weird. And But then I, I did uh, have the neck pain. So that's how I became familiar with that. I thought, oh, I'm just going to see somebody in that department and see what they say. And uh, it took a little bit, but examining the cervical spine on the neck. It was uh, it's a guest speaker. And uh-huh. and he says, oh, shot up my hand. I'm, I'm like, pretty good at volunteering that stuff. <laughs> I was like, yes, examine my neck. Yeah. <laughs> and so uh, with him, he told me to go back and get another check and say, you know, you have kind of a, you, you have it's a more stiff, than a stiff neck. Yeah, it's more than a stiff neck. Yeah. So... Uh, eventually, yes, it figured out and that, and that it was ankylosing spondylitis, which had, I had studied in our class. And I thought, oh, I do yeah. not want that. I, I think I was in a bit of denial or even if they thought I had it, I felt like, oh, I could overcome this. That, no, it couldn't possibly be disabled or yeah. impaired by this. I'm just a fully active person. I cannot yeah. let this hinder my life. So my professors, they, they knew though what the outcome would be, that it's a progressive disease. And I had some good advice. Good advice from Dr. Carey. You said you should probably uh, try all sectors of the physical therapy profession because you yeah. would not be able to do all of them later on. And oh, you, so yeah. you would get that experience of, of yeah. having done it all. And then you could just narrow down to the ones that you could do uh-huh. later on. Uh-huh. I thought that was really good advice. Uh, I did really enjoy doing the uh, inpatient rehab with people who had, uh, difficulties enough that they had to stay in the hospital. It wasn't acute care, like a sur- surgical, but it was more uh, neurological. Mm-hmm. So they either had a stroke or they had uh, neuromuscular disease so or a spinal cord injury. And I thought that was really fun. I really enjoyed that. But I knew that I probably could not do that as a full-time job. Mm-hmm. Yeah, knowing that, oh, this, you have to be really, really strong. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. But um, being in the local hospital here, I really did get to do uh, everything. I'm all the sectors of physical therapy. Mm-hmm. I had, in the very beginning, they had a nursing home contract. I did home health. Uh we had hospital patients, and because it's a small rural hospital, you had neurologic patients, and you had uh, patients that just underwent uh, surgeries for other things, and hip replacements, knee replacements, and car accidents, yeah. and just all, all kinds, kinds of, of things. things. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Well, we are coming close to the end. I'm going to ask you one more question. Okay. You ready? 
<laughs> All right. What what brings you the greatest joy? Ah, oh, well, there are quite a number of things, but I really enjoy figuring out someone's problem and helping them to overcome it. I think that is that is really fun and that's what I really liked about physical therapy. Mm-hmm. I mean, I I thought helping them in some way that it made their life like so um easier. Easier or better. It set them on the path that they they, you know, got to go on this good path or they, you know, were able to get back to what they were doing. Well, Lily, this has been fun today, hearing all your stories and life's adventures. <laughs> I hope it was fun for you, too. Oh, definitely. And it'll be fun to watch how you are trying to figure out a new path for your life and come up with something different, um, managing your back surgery and getting <laughs> figuring out things that you can do. In spite of those setbacks <laughs> right. in life, right? <laughs> right. Um, yeah, I'm just learning more about uh, how to manage this uh, autoimmune disease as well. Mm-hmm. And maybe, maybe I can help other people with that too. Yeah, yeah, I'm sure you can. All right. Well, thanks again. I sure hope you enjoyed this episode. Thanks again for listening. Stop by my website, jan-johnson.com. You can listen to this podcast from there and also find out about my new books coming out soon. That's jan-johnson.com. Can't wait to have you join me again next week.